Hey, y'all, I got a question for you. What's a piece of gear that you maybe have unintentionally overlooked in your rig throughout the years? Well, for me, it's always been guitar cables. I figured ah, it just goes from the guitar to the amplifier or the guitar to the pedal board to the amp. And if one breaks, whatever, I'll just go buy another one. No big deal. Thanks to the fine folks at Runway Audio, though, I have finally seen the light. Runway Audio is based in Nashville, Tennessee, which is awesome for me because that's right down the road. But it's awesome for you as well because Runway has the best cable on the market. And what makes it the best, you ask? Well, it has the lowest capacitance of any cable on the market right now at 20 picofarads per foot. And pretty much all that capacitance is is the ability to store an electrical charge. The lower the capacitance is, the less tone that it sucks from your cable from your guitar on the way to your amplifier. So if you're in the market for anything cable-related, whether it's instrument cables, patch cables, XLR cables, speaker cables, power cables, you name it, Runway Audio has got you covered. And if you go down to my link tree, click the link for Runway Audio. Any purchasing you will do, I will get a little bit of a kickback from that, which is always appreciated. So check out all the awesome stuff that Runway Audio is doing and pick something up to get the best tone possible. This episode today is brought to you by Stringjoy Guitar Strings, the finest strings on the market. For me, it has been the Orbiters that have been my absolute go-to ever since they've come out, and that's their coated electric strings. But if the coated thing's not your thing, totally get it. The signatures in the Broadways in their electric line, top-notch quality. For acoustic guitars, they have their Naturals and their Brights, along with the Foxwoods, which are their coated Phosphor Bonds. For all you bassists out there too, they have the signatures and the Rangers. Full disclosure, the link down below is my affiliate link. So if you would like to check out Stringjoy, click that link down below. Not only will you be getting the finest guitar strings on the market, but you'll also be helping out this podcast, which I greatly appreciate. So head on over to Stringjoy today. I'm not even close to the tip of the iceberg of all the awesome things that Stringjoy does. So click the link down below and check them out for yourself. Welcome back to Man the Helm podcast. Today I am joined by Kevin Equitz of Equitz Guitars. What's up, man? Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. So, um, I don't know if you know this, but I've been, I was out of the gear music world for quite a while. And, uh, this is kind of my way of getting back into it. And I'm not, I'm not scared to share my ignorance. Okay. We met a while back. Um, it was probably almost like what, two years ago, very briefly, uh, with Blake when he had his little, uh, pizza party thing. Right. And that was kind of like, right when I started getting into this and to be honest with you, man, other than that short conversation we had and what I've seen online, I really don't know a whole lot about you. So for myself and maybe the people that don't know, could we maybe just kind of start at the beginning with you, how you kind of got into the music world and kind of work our way to where we are today? Absolutely. Yeah, that's perfect. <clears throat> um, so for me, I always say it starts with um, my family being a musical family. So my dad's a drummer and uh, my brother, who's just a couple years older than I am, uh, we, he and I both grew up playing the drums and okay. um, 
that also meant that we had like extended family that were musicians, you know, guitar players, singers. Oh, yeah. We also had family friends as well. So music was just kind of woven in to our family. In fact, my dad says that um, when my brother and I were, you know, it's still in my mom's stomach, they put the headphones on the side. Like, so oh, yeah. music was a thing. He took me to a concert when I was like a toddler. Um, it was Buddy Rich. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, music was just our currency. That was our thing. And to, um, to have a place in like the family get togethers, like, you know, to do something was a big deal. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, my brother and I grew up playing the drums when my brother hit junior high or so, or middle school, you know, depends on what you call it. Uh, sure, <laughs> <where you're> sure. <laughs> um, he, was interested in playing the guitar and since we had other you know guitar people around my dad knew how to play chords and you know he's, he's actually a, a very competent guitar player too he got my brother started and my brother is the type of person that is um you know just real focused real driven hard worker type and so he just sank his teeth into guitar and really dove in and got really good really quick and since he was doing that um to me, that just felt like more reason to dive deeper into drums. So I was right. actually the drummer. He was the guitar player. And um, we just to jam together, you know. Um, and I don't even know what ages these were. Like, we just, this is just what we did. It's right. Like there right. was something, you know. Anyway. Um, so we grew up doing that. And then little by little, as time goes on, you know, being a drummer, it's a lot of fun. But it also, you know, it's kind of a drag sometimes having to bring all the gear. Yep you know, these get togethers and everyone's sitting around playing guitars. It's like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, you know, even the tambourine is annoying. Like there's, For sure. <laughs> there's nothing to contribute sometimes uh, beyond just like, you know, shakers and whatnot. So anyway, um, around like, like when I hit high school then then that's when guitar started looking more appealing to me. And it wasn't ever a matter of this or that it was an and kind of thing. Sure. So my brother helped me out a lot, friends of the family, you know, so we never took like lessons or any, well, my brother did, but we, we, you know, we had people in the family that could teach us these things. So, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, tons of support, family, you know, guitar, here we go. Now I'm playing guitar in high school and um, kind of around that time, like, you know, his art was always a focus for me and coming out of high school, what I wanted to do was graphic design and okay. And so when I went to school for like, um, you know, in the graphic design program, um, you know, these design concepts and these ideas of visual and line and form and, you know, blah, blah, blah. That was on one side of my head and then the other side of my head, you know, like um, the, the guitars that I was just fascinated with as a kid, because my brother played and my dad played them, you know, they were cool, it, especially this was... Um, I mean, let me backtrack just a touch. When when he was learning guitar, this would have been, you know, kind of coming out of the late 80s, early okay, 90s. Yeah. The electric guitars were really cool. You Absolutely. Know, the colors and the shapes and all this kind of stuff. So there was still just this real fascination with them. So anyway, once I was old enough to start playing them, then I was interested in like doing some of the more maintenance things, stuff that was kind of a chore like for my brother, like changing strings and, and things like that. You know, my dad had an old guitar that the tuners were all seized up. So mm -hmm. I took them off and put, you know, I bought a set of tuners and was like, well, let's try this out. So little basic maintenance things were super fun. 
So college is really where this all kind of converged into an idea that like, if I take design and, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff, plus this fascination with guitars and taking them apart and putting them together, like, like, why not just build guitars? Right. Um, and there was a class I had to take where we had to give like a, an artist presentation. It was like a one unit class, kind of a joke, but mm. you know, and at the time I was working full time in a print shop. I had met my wife, my, she was going to be my wife eventually, but you know, at the time we were dating. So it was like school was kind of maybe the third or fourth thing on my mind. Sure. So I'm in this class and we have to give an artist presentation and I had not prepared at all. And it just kind of hit me as I'm sitting there, um, you know, waiting for my name to be called. Like, why don't I just say I'm going to build guitars? Um, so I went up in front of the class and told a bunch of these strangers, like, um, yeah, I'm going to build guitars. I, and, you know, obviously try to make it sound a little bit more comprehensive. Sure. Than that, yeah, but... absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, that was that was it. I got a good response from that. And then that kind of just got my my head spinning in that direction. Like, well, why not? I just said I would. So why not? Um, this would have been, let's see, like early two thousands. Okay. So, you know, internet resources were available and, um, and even as social media was, was really starting to take off, like some of these other builders were very accessible. Yeah. Um, there were like the podcast, like the Lutheris podcast with Paul Roney and, um, and John Sullivan, you know, Sully guitars. Um, that was, that was a big deal. Um, other builders like Doug Cower, um, who was, you know, associated with, with, uh, Paul Roney at the time, you know, these builders, like, um, they would answer questions. They were nice. You could talk, you could reach them. You could, you know, learn about things. And on top of that, we had friends that were close enough to the music business. Like we were in Southern California. So we were able to attend the NAM shows. Oh yeah. Um, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I mean, high school and, and so on. So, you know, going to the NAM show at first, it was a big deal to see like a famous guitar player, and, you know, some of these cool instruments, but then it started to get like, like, Oh, that's, you know, that's this builder and that's that builder. You know, yep. those were my celebrities. Yep. And, and so to see what they were working on and be able to talk to them in person, uh, that was just fuel on the fire. Um, so out of college, um, that was when uh, my wife and I got married and, you know, we, we got a little tiny place and, you know, we, it was one of those kind of like saltines and top ramen kind of situation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I couldn't really, I didn't have the time or the money to get into guitar making, but um, that didn't stop all the research and the talking about it and thinking about it and all that. So it was nice in a way, cause that forced me to really like dive in. Um, I don't know like think about it plan like get strategic and little by little i was acquiring parts for like um like a parts caster it just sure. seemed like a good place to start and um and part of me was hoping that it would just crash and burn because you know it was like then i'll know all right this was a bad idea and i can move on yep uh, but to the credit of the way that the strat is designed you know all these parts from different websites from different you know different countries it came together and it worked and it was like well shoot now i gotta do this again so all of those friends and family people that were guitar players they were very generous my dad my brother they they helped me kind of get going like uh, building guitars for them you know we would kind of come up with the concept and get all the parts you know pieced out 
And little by little, it was a matter of, well, maybe instead of buying the body, I'll just buy the neck and I'll cut out the body myself. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to kind of stepwise, you know, make my way in. And, you know, uh, over time, that was that was kind of the the game was each new guitar was kind of a new um, like taking on a new challenge. Yeah. Um, so like, oh, let me let me try. I did one for my brother with a, uh, a Floyd Rose. So like okay. all that routing and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff that kind of set up, you know, nothing too crazy to look at now. But at the time it was it was interesting, a little bit mysterious and kind of exciting. And so Absolutely. at one of the NAM shows after I'd done a handful of guitars, uh, Reverb.com was pretty new. And I don't know if you've been mm -hmm. to any of the NAM shows. In I haven't. Southern California. Okay. Well, there's a hall downstairs. They call it Hall E. Yep, and that's where you've heard. Okay. Oh, it's yeah. a cool spot because that's where some of the smaller outfits are. Mm -hmm. And so Reverb had a setup in Hall E. They were a website. And, you know, they were doing really well, but they were a website. Yeah. That was it. It wasn't quite the thing it is now. Um, and so one of the, the guys down there, I was talking, we were talking about guitars. He was looking at the stuff I was making and um, he just kind of threw a challenge to me. He's like, well, because, you know, the stuff I was making were like, you know, Telecasters, Stratocasters, you sure. know, some of the Gibson shapes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what would what would you make? Like, what's your, we were talking about design and stuff like that. And then it kind of hit me like, yeah, you know, um, what would I put together um, if I had kind of just my own direction, my own devices? And, um, and so that was kind of the start of those um the the shapes that i have now basically okay. so um like the ashford is uh semi hollow um, which i absolutely dig by the way it is oh. such a unique and cool shape man <laughs> thanks man that's really cool yeah that's the one that you saw there yeah. um at the thing it was that blue one mm -hmm. so the the idea was to do an offset semi hollow using a lot of my favorite lines Right. Yeah. So it's got jazz master parts. It's got kind of like a 339 type of thing with offset waist, but the the lower bout I wanted to be symmetrical so that I could put a tailpiece on it. Yep. Um, so there were certain like restrictions again, coming from the design school where it's like, you know, you create rules so that you can kind of follow them and maybe break one or two. Yeah. Uh, so that one was a real kind of organic type of approach, you know, it was really just like a Sharpie with like plexiglass, just oh, taking yeah. my templates mm -hmm. and kind of drawing the parts and trying to make them all fit together. Then um, after that, my next thought was, okay, this one's kind of, you know, it's semi hollow, it's offset carved top, you know, it's got some of the, these features. Why don't I go the other direction and try to come up with something that's a lot more like straightforward kind of like reduced simple you know thing uh because you know everyone loves a telly um you know one way or another even if they're not a telly player they can at least appreciate the simplicity and absolutely and so taking things that i liked about like telly and the wilshire and you know some of these kind of you know the shapes out of that family that was where the rayburn came from where it was mm -hmm. like how can i how can I make this kind of like the irreducible complexity, like mousetrap mentality? Like what, right. what, are the, what are the essentials? And then it was a matter of, well, what would be in between these? Let me find something in the middle. Um, and <laughs> taking the inspiration from in and out burger. Okay. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. Everyone talks about it. They have a limited menu and it's smart. You know, and you talk about uh, ice cream places like 31 flavors, you know, you, you pick one, 
and assuming they actually have 31, then that's 30 variables for regret or second guessing. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So yeah. limited menu always seemed like a good idea. So I thought, let me, let me come up with three. And then that was the, the Devera came about kind of as a melding of those two, which okay. is yeah. more of a solid body offset um, taken from um, there's one of the guys that I actually, I, I got to meet him several times and, uh, but his name's Eric Coleman. He's from uh, Stumac. Oh, okay. Uh, he, he's in a surf band called the D rays. And what's cool about him is, you know, I, cause at the time I was really into surf music and um, the D rays, they play this great, you know, it has that feel like instrumental surf rock, but he's not afraid to play like a Gibson, like with okay. mm -hmm. P90 or something. It's not this, you know, limited formula of like, you have to have a jazz master and you have right. to have a, you know, spring tank and all this. So I wanted kind of like a solid body humbucker equipped kind of something like that was offset and kind of surfy, but still had a little bit more of the structural foundation of like a Gibson style guitar. Sure. That's where the Devera came from. And then after a few years, um, some conversation was coming up in, in some of these groups about, um, the inclusivity of guitar designs, particularly for women players mm -hmm. and um, how they're not particularly comfortable, like just ergonomically. And it's not a matter of making it smaller, you know, this misconception of what they say is shrink it and pink it, like, you know, not to right. pick on Daisy rock, but you know, it's like, you don't have to make it three quarter size and paint it glitter pink to make it for the ladies. Um, so um, in one of these conversations, I, I kind of started up a side conversation with Emily in, in one of these groups. Um, and we, um, she kind of gave me some feedback on some concepts that I had. And, and so, um, we put together the Ainsley, okay. which it's not necessarily like, you know, uh, intended to be a guitar for women or, or anything like that. It's more of just like, how can we take some of these, like, um, these notes from things that are uncomfortable on this guitar and make something more universal. So, you know, guys find it more comfortable, ladies find it more comfortable. And it was a, it was a departure for me design wise to not pull from like the Telecaster or the jazz master or right. the 35, you know, like unknown shapes a little bit. Um, so that's more of like a single cutaway offset. Um, and, and that's gotten a really good response too. I was going to say, man, I really dig it too, because it, it does look, it, it looks familiar and unique at the same time. It, it's such an awesome design. Well, thank you. That's a huge compliment. And that's the challenge with guitar design because, you know, guitar, we're all guitar players. We're weird. We right. like stuff that we know, but then we want something different at the same yep. time. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I kind of wanted to, to to backtrack just a little bit. I I appreciate everything with that man because now it's like I I feel like I I know you you know now <laughs> I, I well well you know it's it's weird when you when you see people online you have this um, whether it's intentional or not you have this uh, persona that you're trying to brand yourself as or, or what you're trying to do so you don't get Absolutely. like the, the behind the scenes aspect of it and that's what I really like about interviewing people like yourself is you get to see you get to see the why behind things. You know, it's not like, oh, we just have a new guitar. Here it is. You know, right. why, I want to know why. Do you think growing up in that musician focused family kind of inadvertently steered you like where you're at today? You know, because just a little just the little pieces that started to add up because it wasn't just one thing. It was just this led to this. Now this led to this. Now, 
you know, taking apart this guitar and just restringing my brother's guitar. Now I can, you know, well, maybe I want to, you know, rewire and put some different pickups in, or maybe want and it just kept snowballing onto itself. Absolutely. You know I mean, yeah. And I think, um, it, it was definitely an advantage. I would say like it was, uh, my wife and I, um, cause my wife's like, a she and I are very similar in like our background with art and mm-hmm. design and things like that. She's got a lot of like illustration and photography background. So our home is kind of like one of those, you know, creative homes, similar right. to, to what I was raised in, you know, musically, this is a bit more like, you know, music and kind of arts, but uh, we've, we kind of have a saying where we say like, follow the fruit. Um, mm-hmm. And she's also very much into gardening. So when you look at what plants kind of thrive in the right conditions, so the right soil for the right type of plant, and it's got to have the right amount of sun and water and, you know, all that stuff. So that's how I feel like my upbringing was with family and friends. We would do these amazing birthday parties where um, we would we'd basically take the, like the, the favorites playlist of that person and mm-hmm. put a band together and do just kind of like a big blowout party cover band style with all their favorite songs. Nice. Um, we got to do that for like my wife and myself and my mom, even my grandma, <laughs> like for nice. her 90th, we were playing old, like, you know, Elvis tunes and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it was very much this environment, this like fertile soil for, you know, um, not just playing, but like, you know, oh, what, what are you working on? And you right. know, a new guitar, and, you know, getting that kind of feedback. Um, but what I would also say is it's not just limited to that. I think using this analogy, I think there could also be um, some strength in, you know, like the like like pushing through where you don't have all these things at your disposal you know so for if maybe there's somebody out there who is feeling like they they would want to to build or play or whatever the endeavor is and there's they don't have the support that kind of also has like a a fuel to the fire effect absolutely so i could see how um i could say it would go either way but to answer your question yes absolutely the um the the upbringing and the the community i was i was brought up in very much um led me to like along this path well see and that's that's what i like to i I like to get everybody's individual story too because i have kind of like the complete opposite i had an uncle that played in a band but that was really about it you know Mm -hmm. uh so so i 100 percent agree and i'm happy you brought that up is is the two like opposite ends of the spectrum can really work to your advantage you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's not like you have to because i I never had to prove anything musically to my family. Right. You know what I mean? I don't want it to sound like that. Like I wasn't trying to like, Oh, look what I can do or something like that. It's just one of those things is I think whenever you find what it is you're, you want to do, that's when regardless of the situation you're in, you just have to dive headfirst yeah. into it. You know what I mean? And I really like what you did incrementally, like what you were saying, how you were in a situation, how you didn't really have enough, money to really start building but what did you do you invested the time to learn as much as you possibly could about building you know so just because you weren't physically doing the act you were still actively learning the process right yeah uh, it's it's a good yeah (laughs) good call out there i think um in design school you know one of the 
I forget it was a book or something, but they said design is a formal answer to a strategic problem, right? Yep. So um, when we're talking about these things, I think um, whether it's, you know, it's within somebody to want to write music or whatever, draw, paint, whatever, those limitations do have a really um, positive impact sometimes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's forcing you to answer questions or solve problems. That's where some of the best art comes from. The best music comes from heartbreak. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate we have to go through those things. And, but as I've found, like nothing is made without having to go through what would otherwise be a pretty painful process. Absolutely. Like, like stuff gets cut, heated, bent pressed (laughs) like like i'd I'd be interested to see like what is it made um without going through some sort of uncomfortable process um but for the families or the communities you know if any of your listeners find themselves in the situation where they are this person or maybe they know this person like there's so much to be said for um like like fostering that like you said you had an uncle that played you know so i bet you probably could have come to your uncle and like hey look i, I learned this song and and right. he probably would have just listened like mm-hmm. there's there's so much value in that for a little yeah. while i was teaching guitar and you could easily easily see the difference between the families where um you know they were looking at this as almost like babysitting like yep. yeah the kid wants to learn guitar he goes i don't even know what he's playing now he comes back and you know um and you know, I don't, since I don't understand it, I don't even ask, you know, that unfortunately I saw families like that, but there were also some where it was like, um, you know, they just, they wanted to hear, they wanted to know like, Oh, show me this new chord that you learned. And even yep. if it was not right, like they were just engaged. So, yeah. um, yeah, find that engagement, find that, that, um, I don't know that, that fertile soil, but maybe we could also be that as well. Yeah. Yeah. See, I'm in the process of that right now. Cause I teach guitar, um, at a local shop up here and, mm. um, just North of Clarksville. And, uh, okay. dude, so I already know exactly the, the types you're talking about, you know, it's, and it's so crazy. Cause there's, there's literally, at least in my experience, there's not really an in-between there. It's either okay. people are like catching right to it and they're on fire for it. Or like you said, it's just kind of like, well, my mom told me I had to do this. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> That was heartbreaking. There were some students where they were in, I mean, I really hope I don't upset anyone by saying this, but like they were in two sports, extracurricular school things, Mm -hmm. and they're taking guitar lessons. And these kids would come in and they were so crushed. They're like, I'm sorry, I I didn't get to practice this week. And they're apologizing. And it's like, yeah, this is supposed to be fun. Mm -hmm. Like this, I'm not your coach. I'm not your teacher, like per se, like your school teacher. I'm not going to give you a test or give you a grade. Right. Right. This should be a way to wring out the sponge that Mm -hmm. has been soaking up through your week, all the frustration or even the the good feelings, whatever you soak that up and the, the guitar or the drum, whatever it is, that should be how you wring out that sponge. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So it was, it was hard to see that in some of these young kids that were, they were good. They were talented, yeah. but the the emotional connection to mm-hmm. playing wasn't engaged the right way. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a common trend with musicians talking about when, you know, you have that adversity against you because learning any instrument is not an easy process. Right. Right. You, know? you got to love it to get yeah. through, you know, like 
I mean, a, a piano is difficult in and of itself, but you push a key and the, the note comes out. Whereas right. a guitar is different. There's a little bit of pain involved and mm-hmm. it's still not even as hard as like a violin, any of those bowed instruments. Absolutely. It just sounds like pure awful until you get the technique just to make one note, let alone yeah. string them together and, and make music out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the first instrument I picked up, man. And it was uh, it was a rough go. <laughs> pretty young kid and trying to learn how to do this it was it was pretty rough and especially to i having like such a structured environment of like an orchestra or a band teacher you mm-hmm. know it's like play what's on the staff don't do anything else this is what you're doing you know that sort of stuff uh, so i it didn't last for too long thankfully but i i do appreciate that that sort of you know yeah that challenge at a young age like that um, to kind of speak on too about like what you were talking about as far as like cultivating that if you don't have somebody like that and you I know you can attest to this I definitely can the community of people that are abundant everywhere in whatever you are trying to do are always well 99.9% all the time willing to help whatever you're right. trying to do you know whether you're building whether you're playing you, you can start to develop you know, just by just by getting on gear groups, start to interact with that. And, you know, next thing you know, you're part of that community and people are going to help you out with problems that you're having with whatever it is you're doing. Yeah, it, it does take you got to be able to take feedback and, and well, sure. criticism, you yeah. know, and, and there's definitely no shortage of that in some of these groups. But absolutely also learning how to filter through people that are just commenting because they're awful people and they're trying to bring you down but you know they're they're i'm agreeing with you there's a lot of um you know constructive uh, feedback out there and people that really they want to see this this flourish because it's not as easy in my opinion it's not as easy to to learn some of these things like in school or some of these other sure. um you know resources but when you and I were learning guitar, uh, you know, YouTube, you know, I mean, we had, we had still had it easier than the generations before us who Absolutely. were like, yeah. you know, the, the record, they had to keep moving the little mm-hmm. needle over and trying that part out, you know, whereas, you know, you and I, maybe we had tablature, or, you know, some of these other resources, but even still it's, it's gone up and up and up these notches to where now you can get video instruction um, for free essentially with some of these really great concepts and then you could also share what you're learning and get like immediate feedback and and have to learn that lesson of sifting through like what is actually positive or actually negative or actually constructive and um, but yeah it's it's a new world for the aspiring i don't even want to say young because they're old people Tons of people that I talk to that are older than me or my age, and they're like, oh, you know, I always wanted to learn to play guitar, but I never got around to it. It's like, do it now. Right. <laughs> Just because you didn't start it when you were younger doesn't mean you can't start it yet, you know, now. So, yeah, there's tons of information out there. There, there are definitely communities. Um, and what I will say for guitar making, if anyone is interested in, in guitar building, like, for the most part, it's a really inclusive, really supportive community. A lot of these builders, and I'm not just talking about guitars too. You'll see it with, uh, I'm sure, other guests you've had and people you talk to. You know, pedal makers, amp makers, like other people in this world. It's it's a small world, but everyone is really pretty cool with each other. Absolutely. And, and the way that I see it, it's kind of like an artist community, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like everyone's got their own kind of direction that they're trying to take and we're all supporting each other so that we could 
we could be as good as as we can be and and it's not as if you know if someone buys one of my guitars and a guitar made by one of my friends that's another builder like there's i, I mean technically i guess that's called competition but it's not a competitive thing like i'd be just as excited for you know someone i know to buy a guitar from one of my my good friends that's also a builder you know maybe even more so yeah. <laughs> i don't know if it's the right guitar for the right person like yeah that's that's a super exciting world to be a part of and sharing that knowledge sharing that feedback um you know even some of these guys like like i mentioned doug cower and paul roney and um there were, i even had the opportunity to to you know meet on a few occasions like grover jackson mm-hmm. um because he's he's out here now and um uh, dennis fano like like talking to some of these guys that were i if i could have told the you know 20 something year old me that i would be able to like talk to these people on on any sort of a basis i, I wouldn't have believed it um but having access to them and, and hearing their stories and kind of learning from their experience man it's it's an amazing community to be a part of yeah well, and all it takes is a little bit of patience and tenacity, really, whatever you're doing, you know, whatever the endeavor is. I, I mean, I, I've, I've tried telling that to people as far as because because the big thing that I've seen with a lot of my friends around me is like, you know, wanting to have a better social media presence, regardless of what they do. It's like, well, just start putting stuff out there. You know what I mean? Mm. It doesn't have to be this fine-tuned, polished product like right now. Just start putting it out there because what you're going to do is inadvertently, you're going to get people that like you. You're, Of course, you're going to have people that don't, but mm-hmm. you're going to start to build up. If you're consistent and honest with whatever you're doing, you're going to eventually get a decent fan base and build a community around what you're trying to do. You know, yeah. And the best part about that is like you said earlier, it just starts to offshoot at that point you know because then you, you you start getting connected with other people like you were saying people that you had no business ever you you never thought you would ever get the chance to speak to right you know and now it's just oh yeah you know we just whenever it's convenient we get to go hang out or i get to you know talk on the phone or do whatever you know so yeah absolutely no, i totally agree it's just it, it's just a matter of figuring out what you want to do having a plan and pushing that plan forward and you know like you said you're gonna have those setbacks i'm married with two kids as well so it's just you know (laughs) i I gotta provide for the family first and foremost that's that's what has to happen you know the other stuff on top of that if i can provide and make this work then that's what i'm gonna do right you know and that's the position i'm in right now so um there's there's a bit of a i don't call it a false dichotomy but there's like a dichotomy out there where it's like as a builder, you're either a hobbyist or you do it full time. Sure. And my current state right now is somewhere in the middle. To me, mm-hmm. it's it's a it's a part time job. So it's like yeah. an actual business as far as like you know when it comes time to taxes and you know all the paperwork and all that stuff. But um, but my full time like my day job is still kind of in the the creative marketing branding. Okay. Realm. Yeah. Um, but it's it's definitely not guitar related um so the guitars are in the early early mornings like throughout the week and if i can get a little you know a break maybe on a weekend here or there uh, that's when i'm i'm trying to squeeze the time in so it's it's very much a part-time job for me and, and it would be nice at some point to tip those scales in the other direction that's 
kind of my bigger picture in time. But like you said, when it comes to the family and the kid, you know, and all that, like, um, yeah, I, I got to take care of them first. And, and it's not, an, it's a, it's a great environment for like learning and growing and all that, but it's any guitar player or I'm sorry, any guitar builder will tell you it's not always the most lucrative industry. Sure. One yeah. of the, one of the builders I was talking to, he, he put it, he just said quickly, he was like, yeah, I'll never be guilty of driving a nice car. Let me just say it that way. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, but you have the satisfaction of knowing that you're making instruments, like how stinking cool is that? Right. You get to work with artists and, and you yourself get to feel like an artist and what you're making is a tool for another artist to do their art. And like my brother, like to take it back to my brother, he's an amazing guitar player, like super technical, you know, proficient, like way over me. Like stylistically, we kind of went in different directions guitar wise, mm -hmm. but but technique wise, like there's no way I'll ever hold a candle to his playing. It was never competitive, just very different. Right. But what I will say is watching him play the way he does on a guitar that I made for him feels so much better than if I were able to match his technique. And so when you, when you put the time and the energy and the, the sacrifice of like, whatever it is, your, your late nights or your early mornings or your, your extra dollars and, you know, whatever else to, to make a, an instrument. And then you put it in the hands of a musician and they make art, they make music out of yep. it. That feels amazing. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's probably, I, I would assume here and correct me if I'm wrong, that that has to be one of the most satisfying things about building is seeing something that you put all of your time and effort into to try to make this as perfect for whoever you're building it for. And then they make something that inspires you musically with what right. you made, you know, and I've heard that time and time again, if you were, if you were in the guitar business to drive a nice car, you wouldn't be still building guitars. Well, I, I mean, maybe like there are different ways to do it. I guess if if you were product minded, right, sure. and you okay. you came up with uh, um, like a, a a design or whatever, and you were able to um, outsource the production and, and do yeah. high yield and a high, you know, and and you had the the market had the appetite for it, and you were able to move all these. Yeah, there there are ways to definitely make lots of money, but I'm talking about in the sense of like staying in, in touch with that like you know as you're you're shaping the neck like that mm -hmm. whole zen like the, those are the things you'd have to give up in order to do that and right. that's no criticism to the guys that use uh guys and gals that use like cnc or you know some of these other like automations and you know other like efficiency processes like that's all well and good and you know i'm not criticizing that but just for me personally um it would be very very difficult and maybe even sad to give up some of those steps in the process like sure. like carving a neck um like that's it it's it's very near and dear to me and and so yes that means i will not be able to make uh you know x amount of guitars in a month to to hit this number and you know yield this and you know get this margin and whatever um but there's that satisfaction of knowing that i i spent that time and i know that that piece of wood so well mm -hmm. and then to see it in the hands of somebody else who can 
who can take it to a level far beyond whatever I could have. And, and that's, that's the dream is that they would, um, that, that a new instrument would pull music out of them. Right. right? And, and some of these other guitar players, you know, they've got their standbys, their whatever, the guitar they had since they were a kid and whatnot, or their favorite one. But it's fun to watch when you put one of your guitars in their hands and they just kind of start going down a different road. It's, it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. That's something I, I would feel very nervous about um, stepping away from. Yeah. Well, speaking of, you know, you spending, for instance, so much time on the necks and stuff, I think it's kind of funny to go back because that was what you were ordering. You were just making the bodies and now you're talking mm -hmm. about how you love the intimacy of shaping that neck, you know, right. what, when, when you got to that point, of I'm going to start making necks. What what were some pitfalls that you had with that? And how did you like, just, was it just time, you know, doing the task that just kind of got you better at mm -hmm. the feel of it and stuff like that? Or, or how did you kind of start to refine how you make your necks? Oh man. Yeah. That brings up some really good memories. Yeah. The, the, um, the first neck that I made, um, the fretboard I bought slotted. Okay. You know, you need templates and, mm -hmm. uh, or you don't need, I mean, you could, if you're careful, you could do it without <laughs> templates. And stuff. Right. But, but again, th those are risks that I, I wasn't ready to take. However, um, putting a, uh, a slotted fretboard on a, you know, neck, routing it for the truss rod, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, you know, so it was like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. So the first neck that I made, it, it's actually still one of my favorites, but it, it took a while for it to become my favorite because sure. it, it's like a baseball bat. Okay. Yeah. My, my approach was probably too cautious. So, mm. um, as I was shaping it, um, and, and you mentioned like the feel of it, you know, there's, there's very much a feel to all this. So you're, you're shaping and shaping, you're trying to get it even and consistent. And there was a point where I thought, okay, you know, by the numbers, this one looks good. The measurements that I was taking, it's, it's ready to go. And it felt right without strings on it or anything like that. You know, I'd put the frets in and all that and it felt right until I strung it up. You know, once the guitar was assembled, it was like, oh man, this thing is a baseball bat. But after playing that guitar for, you know, almost exclusively, like for several months, mm -hmm. it started feeling really good. And, you know, talking to other players who really like that kind of neck profile, you know, it's, it's funny. Like there's, there's a world out there, you know, some people love them, like, you know, even crazier than, than that one was, it's not a crazy neck, but it just, for me, at least it was heavier than the ones that I built. So then kind of like this rubber band effect, um, a lot of the necks that I was making were really slim. Okay. You know, Cause that was kind of a, a product of the time people were asking for, sure. oh, okay, I like a real slim neck, real low action or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the first Ashford that I made um, just to kind of like try out the shape and all that kind of stuff, the neck on it, actually I want to rebuild it, um, but the, the neck on it is really slim. Um, and, and it's, it's almost uncomfortable for me now. Uh, okay. So even if I rebuild it, I'll still keep it in like, yeah. You know, hanging around somewhere, you know, just <laughs> as a reminder, but, um, but it, it was this weird thing where it was like, I started on this end of the spectrum and then went too far and kind of settled in the middle. And my current neck profile 
is taken from uh, Paul Roney, one of my favorite builders. Um, you know, for lots of reasons, he's not building guitars anymore. He may come back to it, but mm-hmm. um, he, he and I were very much on a lot of the same wavelengths, uh, design and, you know, otherwise. And maybe other builders have done it, but I learned it from him, uh, taking this approach where the neck is almost the same thickness all the way through. Okay. So where, where a lot of necks that we're used to, they get a lot thicker towards the, you know, 12, 17th up to 20 mm-hmm. something at fret. Um, when it's the same thickness all the way through, it feels really thick around like the, the lower frets, you know, where if maybe you're typically playing chords and then up towards the middle where maybe you're, you know, again, typically you're, you're playing some of your leads. It slims out just by virtue of it getting wider and sure. The yeah. tapers and the geometry going on. Um, but that's kind of my default approach. And when I'm working with somebody who wants a custom order, that's usually where I start with. And so far the, the response has been very positive. You know, people kind of like those necks and you kind of have to try it. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. It's not as weird as it sounds. And, um, and that's kind of my favorite shape, but I will say as much as I have templates and measurements and, you know, little diagrams of the curvature and all this stuff, it sounds a little, you know, voodoo or something, but there's a, there's a moment when you're carving a neck where it's just done. Yeah. Like, I guess it. Yeah. it and it's done. And I could go by the numbers and it's like, well, I could take 0.001 off of this, you know, side. And it's like, no, it's done. Like it should be symmetrical unless somebody wants it asymmetrical. So I, I'm not like, saying oh this one's kind of junky and crooked and weird i made a mistake but i'm going to call it okay like no there's there's a there's a point where it's like the shape is right and and the feel is there and and there are no high spots no low spots whatever um and and it's just it's super exciting to have that freedom as a builder like with the customer you know Mm -hmm. it's just not promise not commit you know, someone says, oh, I love my 63 Strat, so I, I want exactly this neck profile. And it's like, you know, even if I could completely right. mimic that, it mm-hmm. would still feel different because the the balance of the guitar, the weight, the right. fretboard, you know, like there's so many variables. So it's like, let's just not promise that at all. And and if you trust me, um, let me just shape this neck until it's done, until right. it's right. And, and it, it won't be crazy. It's not going to be some shreddy, shreddy, like super thin wizard Ibanez, you know. Right. Yeah. There's, those are cool if that's what you want. Nor will it be some boat shaped, you know, baseball bat, whatever. Like mm-hmm. it may feel heavy here. It may feel light here. But but this is what feels right to me. And the way that, that it makes sense in my mind is like, um, again, my wife and I, when we are um, – like if we're on a date night and we're trying out a restaurant, like we almost don't want to order off the menu. We like to eat at the bar and talk to the bartender and say like, what do you like? Because we're going to that place because of what they do. Yeah. The food that they put out, the chef. And the last thing I want to do is tell the chef like, oh, could you make sure you put this much, you know, butter in mm-hmm. the sauce and, and make sure you stir it this way. Like, that's not my job. I'm not in the kitchen. Like I'm there because... I like their food. And, yeah. and the last thing I want is to negatively impact that. In fact, what I want is for the chef or the bartender, or whomever's involved to have the freedom 
to kind of pull from their experience and their expertise and their feel and whatever subjective, you know, uh, measurements they're, they're going Absolutely. and, and compose something. So mm-hmm. half of the time it works other half it doesn't, you know, cause not everybody is that ambitious, but you know, there are in some cases the, the bartender may have a little, and we've seen it in the little black book in their back pocket. They're like, you know what? I've been wanting to try this on somebody. No one asks for it. Or the the chef or the server or whatever, you know, they'll make recommendations mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, instead of the Brussels sprouts, get the, you know, potatoes. I don't know, whatever it is. But so it's it's like that with the neck. And um for any builder, not just myself, you know, and and please, whatever I'm saying, I, I would I would like to apply this to any of my friends that are builders as well like anybody who's looking to to buy a custom guitar or whatever maybe trust the instincts of your builder and, and kind of give them some some free reign um unfortunately i don't have any tattoos but i imagine it's the same like for a tattoo artist right yeah you know if, if they've spent so much time honing their craft you don't want to come in with somebody else's art and say here put this on me like like no you you know what you're doing you're passionate about your craft i want your passion um as a, as a product that I'm going to enjoy for later on. So, um, so that's, that's one of my big like recommendations, you know, when I'm talking to people that, that want to order a guitar, either for myself or, or anyone else, it's like find someone who loves the process and just wind them up and let them go. Like yeah. let them love your project so much that they're going to put all of that love and attention and energy into it and then just enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the way I, I think I would approach it and say, like, hey, I really love this, this, and this about guitars. Here right. you go. Yeah, and yeah. it helps to have some direction. Absolutely. like Sure, yeah. Uh, a totally blank slate can be intimidating Absolutely. in its own way. Yeah. You know, so it helps to know, like, oh, I, I hate narrow frets or, you know, yeah. I, I need to have humbuckers. Like, that's mm-hmm. okay. It's, it's fine to have some direction. Um, but when it comes to the, the more nuanced Absolutely. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it go <laughs> and yeah. enjoy the ride. <laughs> well, and, and I mean, that's why you're coming to, to builders like yourself. I mean, you're getting something that is handmade, custom made for you as the customer. I mean, I, I, I love the, the chef analogy because I, I mean, I can cook, but not like a chef. There's no right. way I could work in a kitchen, you know? that that individual has honed their craft to the point of professionalism you know and yeah. I, I i want to know what they want to do with the food just like i want to know what builders are going to do whether it's pedals guitars whatever it is i i want to know what they're going to do in their spin on this piece of wood that they're going to turn into an instrument right and and ask for what's off menu like you know yeah. in the sushi bar i think it's omakase like you know, again, those, those sushi chefs, I think there's just a lot of honor built into the tradition, but they're, they're making mm-hmm. the meal in front of you. Um, but yeah, the last thing you'd want to do is tell them like, oh, hey, could you put some extra, you know, sesame oil on this? Like, and, and there's, there's a lot of honor in trusting them to make those decisions and it helps to know what the framework is. Absolutely. You know? Um, Here's where, you know, here's what I'm in the mood for. It's the same like we, we like to do when we're ordering a, a cocktail or something. Like, I'm in the mood for something like this. Not too much that way. Not too much this way. What do you got? 
and there are people that are maybe a bit jaded and kind of burnt out and they're just like, I don't know, here, here's the menu. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so of course. Always going to work out. But yeah. in the, in the instrument realm, pedals, all this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of these people, especially the pedal makers, man, they're on a, they're in another world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Amazing, brilliant people. And it's fun to kind of say, Oh, what what haven't we done? Like, mm-hmm. is there something that you've been wanting to try that maybe no one's asked for? Like, experiment here and be open to that. And you'll find not only will you get maybe something different, but they're going to love it in the process. And I think it's going to make for a better product in the end. 100%. Couldn't agree more with that. Well, um, we're coming up on the hour. So before we wrap this up, I definitely want to get your plugs out of the way. So where can everybody find you at? Uh, everything is Equits Guitars. So okay, too easy. Equits is a weird name, but it's spelled like equity, but with the Z instead of a Y. Okay. Um, so Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, which I guess Twitter is now X or something. Well, yeah, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is. <laughs> um, yeah. The honestly, I would say Instagram is probably the the best bet. Um, everything is at Equits Guitars. My website is equitsguitars.com. Um, and so that's, that's where if someone wants to send me an email or whatever, but you can send me a message through, you know, any of those other channels. Um, and what I'm trying to do, um, it's, it's not going to be up and ready just yet, but pretty soon. Um, so, so far, a lot of the builds that I've done were all custom orders. Yeah. Um, and so after COVID and just some other circumstances and things like there's still custom orders on my list, but what I'm trying to do is now shift um, my, my project load to be some of these ideas I've been sitting on um, that I'm just kind of building on speculation. Um, so I'm, I'm, I haven't totally decided on like the, the path to sell these yet, but I've got mm-hmm. some guitars in the works that I'm going to be pushing soon on. They'll be on the socials. They'll probably be on my website, like, you know, for purchase. Um, but they're, they're going to be available for sale that were not part of a custom order. These are just okay. things that I wanted to do brand wise, like different directions, different guitars that I've wanted to make, be it, you know, scale lengths or, you know, extra strings or, <laughs> you know, different configurations that, um, having focused so long on all custom builds, yeah. they've kind of been sitting. And so I'm trying to reconfigure my queue so I can still do custom work, but introduce a few of these builds. So they're in the works. They're almost ready. Uh, they're going to be coming soon. See, that was perfect. Cause I was just about to ask you after you did your plugs, what's on the horizon. For you? <laughs> oh, dude, okay. like, I didn't even, have, I didn't have to ask, man. It was perfect. Well, it's like, I mean, maybe that chef analogy, like if, if everything you do is, or, or a fine artist, right? This is more my background, like graphic design and stuff. So um, commercial artists, fine artists were kind of the the breakdown when I went to art school. Um, and if uh, your portfolio is everything, that's as, mm-hmm. a defar- as, a, as an artist, that's your defining factor is your portfolio. So if everything you're doing as a fine artist, you know, maybe it's not all commissioned. Maybe that's coming out of your head. So your portfolio is going to be kind of an insight to, to your own personal direction. Whereas a commercial artist, they're going to be following the projects. You yeah. know? So they're, again, answering those strategic questions with a formal solution. Uh, so in a sense, their portfolio is really dictated by everyone else. It's yep. still going to be their work, but it's going to be things that other people ask for. And what I see a lot, and I, I definitely don't 
resent it and I'm okay with it. But a lot of people ask for what they've already seen. Like, Oh, I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I like that guitar you did back there. I want one like that. Maybe with this one or two different little things, but it's like, there are different angles to take same shapes, whatever, but like, let's talk baritone. Let's talk short scale bass. Let's talk right. 12 string. Let's, you know, um, maybe different hardware that maybe no one's asked for yet, but I'm hoping somebody's going to be interested in it. So um, to to try to push my portfolio a little bit, I, I want to introduce some of these new uh, configurations out there. Absolutely, man. Well, that's super exciting, man, because, you know, and that's the thing, you know, you were talking about how, you know, you have the normal nine to five. This is kind of just a side gig. This is that's one of those avenues that you can take to push yourself up to the next level. Now, is that right. going to put you full-time working just building guitars probably not but it's it's working up to that that next level man and that's really what everybody just needs to push for is just getting to that next little level there are lots of other builders out there uh again what i would say too i always feel like i need to plug it with all the the socials even if you're not into my guitars like if you're looking for a guitar um please ask like there are so many other builders that that i've gotten to know that i really admire and respect so if maybe somebody out there is looking for something more retro or maybe more futuristic or maybe this way or that way there are recommendations so talk to builders maybe if if they're not the one you're looking for they may know someone who is and absolutely we are all on the same page we want to raise all the ships with the single tide here so um so yeah hit me up if you're looking for um for another you know style absolutely well regardless of everything else i'll have everything down below that everybody can just find anything that you're up to so wonderful (laughs) if you guys are confused as to where you can find them it's pretty it's relatively easy but i'll have all those links down below as well (laughs) if you can get as far as equits you're good yeah right (laughs) but hey kevin i had a great time talking to you man i really appreciate you coming on the show it was a it was a good talk man we definitely got into the gear side of things but we also I, i like the whys behind things you know, no, I, I, yeah. Thank you for asking that. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, well, for Kevin, we're going to go ahead and wrap this up and we will check you guys next week on man, the helm podcast. Mm-hmm.